flat is a state of mind. Get to know the people, science, and stories that make the Kansas outdoors more than flyover country. This is Flatlander Podcast, presented by the Kansas Department of Wildlife and Parks and the Kansas Wildlife Federation. What I see on my dirt is undescribable as the Bible. Hey all, welcome back to the Flatlander podcast. We have an exciting episode lined up today and we're kind of like taking a step back a little bit. So today we've got just a host episode for you. We're going to give you guys a little bit of an update about what we've been up to, maybe tease some future episodes, um, answer some frequently asked questions that we've gotten. And um, we also have a special guest joining us today. So um, she's actually been here on every podcast in the background. You know her. You love her. It's Megan Mayhew. <laughs> Megan. <laughs> Hello. I love it. Um, Megan is our digital communications manager. She's also the producer and technical director for the Flatlander podcast. So Megan is the reason that like, you know, infrequently when we do sound somewhat professional, it's all thanks to Megan. So we really, really appreciate everything you do to keep us on track, to make us sound polished and um, organize the podcast. You are also the uh, sound engineer is the fancy term we decided. So welcome. We cannot forget the beauty that you produce that is the cover art for our podcast. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I'm a jell of all trades, as they say. There you go. In my nerdy little world. Love it. As you guys will find out, she actually has a great voice and personality for radio and for like podcasting, but she hides it from us all and is back there behind the soundboard. So we're excited to have her join us today and tell us a little bit about her story, what she's going to be up to this fall and winter, and just kind of dive in. So welcome, everyone. Thanks well, for and, having and me. And Megan, you're sort of on an outdoors journey. Is that yeah. fair to say? Oh, most definitely. Okay. 100%. Because your background is graphic design, sound engineering, all this like technical Indoorsy stuff. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but you're getting to know the outdoors, and it's really cool to yeah. Through you all. Through you. And you've invited me on several excursions, and we've, we've done some stuff together so far. And it's only ignited... And just this year, we bought my husband and I bought kayaks. Oh, yeah. so fun! There you go. We're Shout out to Chelsea yeah. for kayak and paddle safety. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm here. I'm on this journey with you all. And even though I'm a noob, um, <laughs> we, we've all been noobs before. Yeah. Absolutely, that's exactly We're right. Still noobs. We're all so adult onset. Yes, yeah. there's yeah. so adult many things. Onset noobish. Yes, authorized this. <laughs> Well, that's super fun. So maybe we just start off by going around and talking about what's new in everybody's lives, either in your outdoor adventures or your personal life or what's what's going on. Okay, well, I can start. Um, so this is Laura. Hey, guys. Um, I just had a baby in August, so I've been kind of like dealing with that. It's been great. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I haven't been able to get out as much. Like I missed out on dove season, teal season. Um, so I'm really looking forward to hopefully going out for deer season for um, rifle season. And in terms of things I've been up to lately, um, besides the baby, I've been working on clearing out our freezer. So we tend to like build up meat from past hunting seasons. And then sometimes we forget about it and we would hate to let any of it go to waste. So I just made an amazing turkey breast um, from a turkey my husband harvested this spring. And uh, I used the salt fat acid heat cookbook recipe. I just got that book. I love her show too. Yeah. Her show is really good. Yeah. Everybody go out and get that book. It's not necessarily like a wild game cookbook, but it it provides all the fundamentals for cooking. 
and she has a recipe for spicy brine turkey breast. Oh, Samin, Samin Nasrat. Yes. Yes. That's her name. Um, Samin Nasrat. She's the author of salt, fat, acid, heat. And so this, this recipe, you basically just brine your turkey breast overnight, um, with a number of different unique spices and then you roast it and then you can use it as turkey lunch meat for your week. So that's what we did. Um, and we were having turkey sandwiches every day. It was awesome with our garden tomatoes. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Really good. Definitely check it out, Lindsay, for your next turkey. I'm gonna. Yeah. Laura, you've been known to strap babies to your back and head out into the woods, right? A hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, and I'm hoping, so our new little boy, Jimmy, um, he's two and a half months. So he will be too young for gun season. I'm worried about their hearing, you yeah. know, yeah. and I'm kicking myself for not picking up a bow earlier because you can definitely take a baby bow hunting. Um, in fact, I was just listening to a podcast episode about a woman who hunts with a recurve and her baby strapped to her and she's harvested two deer. Like that's incredible. With that's a amazing. recurve. That's a recurve. Wild. And I know like there's scent comes into play and like if the baby's crying, but if you, you know, there's a certain like grace period, I think around six months or so where you just know your kid really well and you can kind of like predict when they're going to cry. You know how to keep them happy. Uh, so I'm hoping next year I'd like to get a bow. Lindsay, you've inspired me. Um, and yeah, take up bow hunting and then hopefully strap Jimmy to me and hunt next year with him. We'll see. What about you, Lindsay? Oh, I'm excited. (laughs) Okay. So um, Laura said that I inspired her to pick up bow hunting. I haven't even picked up bow hunting yet. I'm waiting on my bow to get here. Oh, no. Yeah. I uh, was fortunate to have actually won a Matthews bow from a conference that I attended. And I got it ordered a little while ago. It is shipped. It's on its way here. I probably won't be able to break it in and get used to her. Um in time for this season, but hopefully I'll be able to get better and be ready to roll for next archery season. Um, but I'm also really excited for squirrel and rabbit season, well, which is already happening. I'm just waiting for that first big deep freeze yeah. before I really go out there. Cause after you get that good first deep freeze, you don't have to worry so much about parasites or ticks or oh. like tularema or really anything a lot of the other big major diseases that hmm. are tip. more, yeah, that are more prevalent in the warmer months of the year. So if you are interested in squirrel hunting or rabbit hunting, do it in the winter months. And they're a lot easier to see if there's a little snow on the ground. Oh, and no leaves. Exactly. The leaves are down. Yep. The leaves are down. Um, earlier you were saying, so you haven't gotten your bow yet, but mm-hmm. you are doing something to, was that you who said that? Yeah. Working your muscles? Yeah. What, what is that? Yeah. So the bow that I ordered, um, has a minimum draw weight of 40 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. And my shoulder muscles aren't quite there yet. So to exercise and get those shoulder muscles built up without actually having the equipment to practice with, I ordered resistant bands and I have been doing what is called a string bow where you go through the motions of pulling your, putting your bow up, drawing it all the way back and then holding it for 30 seconds. I do 10, 15 reps of that each day. And then I will graduate to a higher resistance one so I can build up my back muscles so I can, I'm ready to roll. Yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, yeah. And then I was, I, unfortunately, I know we've, Laura and I have both mentioned this in the past, but we both went out for what, a week last year during rifle season. Neither of us got a deer. I'm really, really going to try super hard to get a deer this year because it hurt 
to see my freezer so empty. Oh, it was yeah. painful to even open it every time or have to go to the store just to buy meat when I knew that, like, I know I can go out there and fill my own freezer. Like, it's a totally yeah. different experience and it's going to happen. But you got that pheasant. I did. So, I, uh, I did yes. get a pheasant and I got a turkey. Photo yes. Yeah. So. Oh, God. Wait, how can we forget about the turkey? The turkey. I was about to say it's been, what, almost a year, hasn't it? <gasps> Oh my God, oh my the turkey! Gosh. No, no, it no, has in no, May, it was right? Spring turkey, April, no, April, it was spring, spring turkey. turkey. Yeah, it was spring turkey. Yeah, yeah. it has been a while. It has been a while. It's I'm so already fun. excited for spring turkey season again. Jacob picked up that shed that I found on that trip that I got so excited about and saw the like mouse chews in it, <gasps> mm. and he thought we had a mouse in the garage. And he was like, <laughs> yeah. "Oh no, something got our antlers!" And I was like, "Nay, nay, it was <laughs> found nature, that It's right? okay." <laughs> but yeah, so those are. Those are some of the aspirations I have for the rest of this year, I suppose. And I guess part of next year, since I'm still working on the bow muscles. Yeah. 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 Do I have to go next? Of course. Yes. Tell us, <laughs> where tell us your dreams. outdoor journeys. Okay. Um, gosh, I don't know. Maybe I should start from the beginning. I'm not a Kansas native. I'm a New Mexican. And so I grew up in the desert, which sounds cool and also awful at the same time. But I grew up in a suburb of Albuquerque. So I didn't grow up in the desert, just near mountains and um, I didn't start my outdoor journey until I literally moved to Kansas. Um, Kansas is so different than New Mexico in so many ways. And I'm not a hunter. Um, what I'm kind of interested in is like insects and whatnot. And if behind glass or through a screen or like from a distance, <laughs> I don't want them in my house um, at all. But, but you're I, interested in them. Oh, 100%. That's, that's cool. I, I get more text messages from friends um, um, sending me pictures of wasps and bees and spiders asking me what kind is this and even though I don't know I will go through I'll go on the internet or I'll go I'll pick up a pocket guide and I'll just and try and find out which one it is and um, like through my job I, I manage our agency social media accounts and what I really enjoy is um, doing educational posts about wildlife, including insects. So last October, we did this entire creepy critter countdown. So I got with the folks here in our ecological services section. And I said, what are the creepiest and weirdest looking bugs and critters out there? And they sent me an entire Excel spreadsheet of <laughs> funky Halloween-ish creepy critters that belong in Kansas or are native to Kansas or live in Kansas. And I learned so much. And then there was moth week and posts about that bat week. And so like behind a glass or behind, you know, I'm still indoorsy, but I really am fascinated by critters like that and learning because there's just so many more here than there are in the desert. Um, mm. So what's your favorite insect so far? Or like the most interesting one that you've come across? Mm, I, the first thing that comes to my mind is an orb weaver spider. Oh yeah. Yes. Oh, tis the season. It is yeah. tis the best season. So when I first moved to this Pratt area specifically, um, at the time my husband was building a garage and he had this carport that he had moved into the middle of the backyard. So it was just like awkwardly sitting there, but every single corner had a spider in it. They were mm -hmm. all just hanging. It was perfect spot. It's kind of out in the open. They could distance themselves from each other. Mm -hmm. They're practicing social distancing before <laughs> we were. Um, and there's lots of light in that backyard too. So flies yes. and all the things would just get entangled into their webs. Um, so my husband makes fun of me because I'm absolutely terrified of spiders. I don't like them, but show me a spider and I'm just going to walk up to it and just... <laughs> Admire it. Admire it. Sorry, I just got so excited. Freak out. Um, we went to Clark State Fishing Lake a weekend ago, two weeks ago. When was it? I think it was a week this ago. This last weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
um, saw a tarantula for the first time. <gasps> Dang. You did? Listen, I know that Kansas has tarantulas. Um, this has been an exciting year for me because I saw a scorpion for the first, and again, I know Kansas has scorpions, but I saw a Kansas scorpion for the first time this year at Wilson State Park. Um, so that was super exciting. And then Jacob and I were hiking around at Clark and he was like, Hey, what's that in the road? And it was a tarantula crossing the road. Yes. That's their favorite thing to do. Yes. <laughs> it was so cool. Oh my God, Tana. That's so awesome. That is really cool. Oh my gosh. And Clark is your place. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is for so many reasons. And maybe we'll talk about that later, but mm. oh, we should. Oh my God. Yes, we should. <laughs> um, but it was really, really cool. Um, we had just actually been talking to Jacob's family about tarantulas and like educating them about the tarantulas we have in Kansas and how cool that is. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you'll hear participants from the Dirty Kansas bike race talk about having to um, be on their bike race and the tarantulas are crossing the road and yeah. they have to like pick up their feet and put them up on the frame of the bike yeah. or weave in and out of them so they don't hit them. Yeah. Always boggled my mind hearing those stories and seeing this tarantula was wicked cool and it was kind of sad because it was in like bad body condition you know it's getting a little bit colder and it's probably not going to make it through the winter its abdomen was really shrunk down but it was still so fascinating and like size wise I feel like I've got decent sized hands for a girl and it was like bigger than the size of my palm they're big they're a lot bigger than you think that they are too and it's brown tarantulas that we have right yep correct that's what we have so wild so anyway you were talking about spiders and that's what made me think of (laughs) it that is awesome thank you for sharing that story I also have a spider yeah you tell your spider stories we all have spider stories let's hear it I love it I have two questions actually number one do you know what spider sniffing is no I don't okay so um, spiders have eye shine, like raccoons oh, yeah. and possums okay. well, and deer. This. And, yeah, uh, I didn't know what the name was. Yeah, you can, I don't even know why they call it sniffing. I was like, that makes no sense. Yeah, but no, you can like, like use a flashlight or a headlamp. My head, oh, yeah. I like my headlamp better because it like lines up with my line of sight. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you can like scan wide spaces of grass yeah. and all the little glittery bits that you see out there it's when it's water. really dark out. No, it's not, not water. Yeah, yeah. yeah. listener spiders. beware. Yeah. Because yeah. you'll be shocked there. and potentially so appalled cool. if you're afraid of spiders. That's fair. Yeah. About how many there it's are. It's amazing. There are I'm afraid of spiders, but no, they're cute. They're wolf. They're like wolf spiders. Yeah, little teddy bears. Very cute. Yeah. Not aggressive. They're not going to hurt yeah. you. Yeah. No. Yeah. I learned that just a few years ago, and I'm the camping headlamp queen. Yes. Oh, my gosh. You remember when she <laughs> wore at the conference at OCK? <laughs> just like indoors, wears a headlamp. Wears a headlamp. <laughs> we love prepared. this woman. <laughs> I do. I do. No, but yeah, I learned it a couple of years ago, and I think I saw it on a video on Facebook first, and then I was like, I'm trying this because I live in Kansas for this land of spiders, in my opinion. Yes. And um, whenever I go camping or whenever I'm in my backyard, um, I do. I have a flashlight and I like to show my nephews. Yes. And, like, yeah. Like, you I see all those glittery. Mm-hmm. I, I just taught my future in-laws how to do it when I was there a couple weekends wow. ago. I didn't so. know the terminology, but I'm a yeah. spider sniffer. So, so what's the season up for that? Like summer. Summertime. Summer, fall. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so summer get fall. your kids out. Summer, fall. Shine the light. What about you, Tana? What have you been up to? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all, Chigirl got engaged. <laughs> Shout out to the Mr. Jacob Wagner. I'm a, I'm a lucky gal. Um, you guys hear me talk about him all the time. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we were out at Clark State Fishing Lake, which is where we saw the tarantula. Yes. Super cool. Nothing says romance. Like your first tarantula spotting together. <laughs> like that's so cool. Um, yeah, so we go out there every year for Jacob's birthday. It's a really fun spot. Um, it's somewhat secluded. It's a state fishing lake, so like minimal facilities. Um, however, they do have like restroom outhouses. 
and it's primitive camping. Um, and it's just a really cool spot. It's about an hour west of Pratt. And uh, we typically go out there and hunt the antlerless pre-rut deer, pre-rut deer season. Um, so we went out and did that, and it was super fun. Um, we saw lots of blue-winged teal out there, which was really cool. We saw a handful of osprey, um, which was also cool. You know, they make a sound that, like, doesn't sound like it would come from an osprey. Yeah. It was kind of puny compared it, to how... Really? I mean, think of a bald eagle look. Yeah, I guess that's true. Everyone yeah. thinks it sounds like a red-tailed hawk. Oh, I know, because of the movies. Yeah. 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 Can, can we dub in the sound of an osprey? Is that possible? It is possible. It's so great to just have you here where we can ask you directly. <laughs> hey, Megan. <laughs> well, that's super cool. So, yeah, we were out there. Um, we were actually scouting deer on Friday night, and so we were, like, up against this cliff, and we're looking at deer through binoculars, and, um, yeah, turned around to, to go home once the sun set, and he was behind me, and he... Asked me to be his wife. Oh, so I said yes. But it's, parks. I know. Well, it's really cool because our first date actually um, was at Cheney State Park back when they were super flooded a few years back. And we went and kayaked around all the flooded campsites and stuff, which was really fun. So our whole relationship has kind of been based in like wildlife and parks <laughs> areas. Like we started out at Cheney <laughs> State Park. Um, we met on a – well, the reason we met is because I was – we were at a conference um, – and anyway, so it was just kind of cool, cool spot and kind of brought it all home. So that's what I've been up to. I did get out a little bit for dove season. Didn't have a ton of luck. It was pretty warm this year. Um, they cut the Milo or have been cutting the Milo now, and it's been a little bit later than usual in some areas. So um, doves weren't flying very well. We were seeing them sitting on lines, but just not a lot of movement. My dad and I went out and used our um, mojos, which have, you know, the motion wings. And it was really funny, actually, watching the birds move down the line toward the mojos. They really did make a difference. Wow. Really? Okay. It was super cool. Like, you know. as soon as we switched them on, like, we didn't even Whoa. have time to put them out before there were birds coming into them. Wow. So that was wow. really cool. So those are the battery-powered? Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had one from the actual Mojo brand, and then we had one from Lucky Duck, too. So it was cool to kind of see the differences between the brands also. Mm, that's cool. Yeah, and Lucky Duck makes predator calls as well. So that's something I haven't done yet, but Jacob has a predator call that I bought him for oh, Christmas really? one year, I think. So we got to get out and try that. I mean, maybe that's one of my goals for the year. Yeah. That sounds like... Sounds like we all got some good stuff cooking. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and in terms of archery, too, I forgot to talk about that. So I have a crossbow. So my goal this year is to try to harvest a deer on public land with my crossbow. Yes. So we will see how that goes. When do you think you're going to go out? Um, I keep telling myself I'm going to go out, and then I don't. Okay. So, um, I really wanted to get out, though. I think this Saturday morning I'm going to get oh, out. Wow. Oh, wow. Nice. Okay. Yeah, and potentially Friday evening, this Friday evening. Cool. Tomorrow? Is it tomorrow? That's tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Keep I mean, us posted. I need yeah. to do some preparation. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I still can't get over, like, with archery hunting, how I'm supposed to get within archery range of a deer. I have no idea. That is bonkers to me. Yep. Right. And that woman with the recurve and the baby. That's How does she insane. get? Yeah. No, it's not. I have so much work to do. The only time you ever get that close to a deer is when you don't intend to. Like when you're hitting it with your car. Yeah. So speaking of deer, um, are you guys planning on testing your deer if you do harvest one for CWD, chronic wasting disease? Yeah. So here at KDWP, we always recommend that you get your deer tested for CWD. Um, And let's talk a little bit about chronic wasting disease before we get into that. So chronic wasting disease or CWD 
is a disease affecting cervids. Um, so most of the instances where you hear us talk about CWD, it's in reference to deer. Um, that being said, it can affect elk as well. And I think that's where the pop or the uh, disease was first documented. Yep. Correct. And that's a cervid. Yes. So yes. Deer, elk. Mm-hmm. Um, and so CWD is spread through prions and I am not at all qualified to get into all the science behind that. But prions are something that can be shed. And so they can basically be shed from that deer and go into the soil. They can be transferred between deer. Um, It's really easily transferable, I guess is the best way to say that. Yeah, I can talk a little bit about prions themselves. So prions are fragments of proteins that don't fall apart when you heat them up or anything. Um, So they're really, really hard to get rid of. I don't even know that we know of a way to get rid of prions. Um. They will infiltrate and take over nervous systems and brains of animals. Uh, Mad cow disease is caused by prions. Um, There's another prion that's really common that I'm forgetting the name of. But the point is is that it's really infectious and it can be transferred in the simplest of ways. And you never really know if an animal is infected with it until it's too late. They're already showing signs, signs of being sick. So... I am also planning on testing my deer and this will be the first time that first time that I've actually tested a deer and I would have done it last year had I gotten one, but I didn't. Yeah. But yeah, I definitely intend on testing my deer for CWD. And what's interesting about that too, is like the prions stay in the environment. So let's say an, an affected deer um, dies in an area, those prions will stay in the soil and continue to in- infect that like whole area. Yeah. It's they, fascinating. They don't die. They don't disappear because they're, they're just chunks of protein. Mm-hmm. Like they don't really need anything to survive, but they'll yeah. get into something right. and so wreck it, havoc. The whole purpose of testing is we don't want it to spread throughout Kansas. It already has been detected in Kansas, but yeah, if you test, um, that's just more data that the department can use to help the control. Yeah. And right. I'm, I'm looking at a map that was that's dated to June of 2021, so of this year, and it's showing that most of the CWD positive tests are coming from the northeast part of the state, and it's very concentrated. Northwest. Excuse me, northwest. <laughs> yes, it's been a long day, everybody. I was like, really? No, nope, definitely northwest. <laughs> so if you're in one of those northwest counties, consider, please consider getting your deer CWD tested so that you're safe and uh, we can still... We can try to prevent the spread of this disease. Yeah. And what's important to point out too about CWD is if you get your deer tested and it does come back positive, it doesn't necessarily mean that you can't consume it. That being said, for safety reasons, um, we probably recommend that you don't and that you find another way to dispose of that deer and dispose of it safely. Um, However, there's been no scientific evidence linking the spread of CWD to humans from deer from the consumption of infected deer meat. It's really more of a precaution, but um, testing and reporting that also allows us to track the spread of this disease, which is maybe more of the, um, I guess what's most important and what's our biggest area of focus right now is testing and um, tracking the spread of that. So it's, you can almost think of it like an invasive species. We want to know where the spread is and how that's affecting our populations. Yeah. And you can actually help slow the spread of this disease by leaving the carcass in the county that you harvest it in. So quarter your deer out and leave the rest of it behind if you can. Yeah. And when we say carcass, like specifically 
the most vital areas to leave behind um, and just like put in a respectful place. Don't leave them in the parking lots of like wildlife oh, areas. Yeah. By the way. <laughs> do people do that? Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. It happens. Don't do it. We're coming for you. Um, but leave that spine and leave the skull behind. Um, if you want to quarter your deer out, like Lindsay said, or if you have the opportunity and can bone it out in the field, that's probably the safest and best option. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, we also have some interesting and fun resources coming out, too. Yeah. I heard that there might be a CWD video in the works. Is that right, Megan? There is. In the next couple of weeks, we'll be launching on YouTube and social media um, a, a really cool informational video for the everyday hunter um, that goes through the steps of dressed, dress, test, suppress. Uh, the steps that you as a hunter can take to ensure that uh, you're not Lending to the spread of CWD in Kansas. And, and one of our very own shout out again, uh, Aaron Austin, he did the VO for that video and, and we're really excited to release it and just spread some more information um, about CWD. Yeah, and that's a voiceover for those of you who aren't fancy oh, sound engineers. I was going to do that, too. I was going to make a stupid joke. Like, it means voiceover and not something else. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Well, that's super cool. That's so we, uh, we're glad to bring some of those those resources to light. Um, also, we've got cool billboards up, too, right now, don't we? Or we are do. those still in the works? They're up. They're, they should be up right now. Right. Is Keep it, an eye out for those listeners. Let us know if you find one. Yeah, let us know. <laughs> Where did you find it? Spot it. Is it the same image that's used on the CWDKansas.com website? Yes, it is. It's, oh, it's so cool. It gives yeah. you goosebumps. It is cool. And the whole like theme of that imagery is taking aim at the spread. And yeah. so we wanted um, any viewers of that, either the billboard or the website, to see that and immediately recognize what that messaging will consist of and hopefully remind them immediately mm -hmm. to take aim at that spread, like Megan said, by dressing, testing, suppressing. Yeah. And you know what? It's actually important to... Um, talk about it. This is not just for hunters either. There are um, a lot of wildlife watchers here in Kansas who just love to just watch the deer and go outside and just be one with nature. And uh, there are steps that you can take as well to slow the spread um, in your area by not um, congregating deer unnaturally. Um, and so cwdks.com, uh, there's more information on there um, for the wildlife watcher people as well, people who don't hunt. Let's uh, let's break down congregating deer unnaturally. Laura, do you want to talk about that a little bit and what it might mean to like congregate deer unnaturally? I mean, is that putting out like salt licks? I'm thinking that's what, yeah. I don't have expertise in that area, but yes, I would think that that would mean salt licks or bait piles, mm -hmm. feeders, that sort of yeah. thing. Corn piles is usually corn, what we yeah see. a corn yeah. pile. And Apples. to clarify for anybody, because I know I'm on the Kansas Hunt Fish page and I see this question pop up quite often. It is illegal to bait on public land. So mm -hmm. if you are going out to hunt on a public land area, you cannot bring a bag of corn with you and dump it in front of your tree stand. So something good to keep in mind um, on your own private land, there is a little bit more flexibility there. However, when we're thinking about being safe, ethical, effective hunters, keep in mind that unnaturally congregating deer in that area might allow these prions to spread um, and just contribute to this problem. So that's a decision that is up to you to make at this point. It, there is no legal requirement on private land that you can't bait deer. However, you have to make that determination. Yeah. And one thing while we're talking about baiting is something that has been increasing in popularity lately is the distributing of corn in some of our public parks. And oh. some of our parks will have 
relatively healthy deer populations and um, people will put corn out along the trails and uh, the deer are no longer afraid of people, thus making them more susceptible to getting hit by a car or being poached illegally or um, being more susceptible to diseases. I mean, there are a lot of problems that come along with feeding wild animals in public spaces, including losing that lack of losing that fear of humans, yeah. which is what's, which is something that keeps them safe. And this is not just for deer, it's for all wild animals. Right. So be, please be conscientious about um, our public spaces. Good point. Yeah. That was a downer. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was a bummer. Shoot. But it's a thing. I mean, when I worked at GPNC, someone poached a fawn with a crossbow because it was completely unafraid of the person. And yeah. the only reason we knew about it was because the coyotes drug the carcass out that they shoved underneath the bush. And we knew it was um, poached because we could see where they cut around uh-huh, um, yeah. the bottom of the, where they pull the skin off. Mm. You know what I'm talking about? Like clean cuts uh-huh. around yeah. the legs uh-huh. where they, yeah, it's very sad. Oh, that's a bit. Still well, had its spots and everything. Yeah. Oh, little bitty. When we uh, went out there to teach our women's hunter education class the last time, we had deer about climb into the trailer. Exactly. And you know what's scary about that too is that a um if you're going out there as a well-intentioned human who does not necessarily have the proper education on uh, deer dietary needs and requirements, it is possible that you are feeding deer something that they should not be eating. So keep that in mind too. Um, and I'm not encouraging you to do research on what they eat and continue to feed them. I'm saying <laughs> just let nature do its thing. Um, that's, that's super, super important. And also when deer start, um, associating humans with food, you're going to see deer start to consume more trash wrappers, et cetera. Oh, it fell out of a human's hand. It must be food. And that's, that's so horrible to see. Yeah, exactly. On the note of feeding animals, things that they shouldn't have. Um, can we just collectively as a group of humans try to stop feeding ducks white bread? Oh, that's an epidemic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's no, no. it's incredibly bad for them, actually. It has no good nutritional value. It's actually been shown to decrease their reproductive value, so you're harming future generations of these animals. So if you're going to feed them anything, feed them uncooked rice. They love that, and it's good for them. Oh, and really? it's Yeah, That's uncooked awesome. rice. That's an awesome... I thought you were supposed to steer away from uncooked rice because it's... Or maybe it's and- cooked rice. Okay. Yeah, because at weddings, <laughs> you can't throw... You because of the bird rice. rice. But yeah, I think bird. that's for, like... Doves. Maybe just uh, don't feed pigeons. anything to any Maybe just don't animal. feed wildlife. Yeah. <laughs> just, just watch them. Just watch them. you feed ducks? Maybe or it's cooked Google rice. It. <laughs> ducks can eat rice whether cooked or uncooked. Oh, okay. Huh. But yeah. songbirds... No. Yeah. So maybe just for the sake of being safe, feed them cooked rice, and it can be white, brown, or wild. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. Um, but or just watch them. Bread's not great for wildlife. Yeah. Steer the heck away from bread. And if you're going to do anything at all, perhaps find ways to interact with the environment that produces an ecosystem or a micro ecosystem that will sustain wild wild populations and let that kind of food happen naturally. Yes. Pick up trash. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And conserve um, little micro habitat, whether even if it's just in your backyard. Yeah. Maybe you should plant a pollinator garden. I don't know. Great idea. Let's talk about that. Let's do. Yeah. When's the best time to plant a pollinator garden in your backyard? (laughs) Gosh. Well, I'm I'm interested because I don't have anything like that in my backyard, but I want to start. Yeah. So it depends on if you're starting from seed or plant, like 
plugs. Yeah. Um, you can throw seed down really in the winter time. That's what I was it needs thinking. to cold stratify. Okay. So either throw it down, um, you know, in November, December, or throw it in your freezer and then wait three months. Um, I usually plant seeds around March, April. And then plant plugs um, sort of dependent on availability. So, like, I tend to shop at Dick Arboretum. Um, they've got two sales, one in the spring, usually around May, and then one in the fall in September. Mm-hmm. So you can plant your plants in the fall, and then they put down roots, and then by the spring, so they'll go dormant over the winter, yeah. and then by spring, they, they like, pop. Mm-hmm. Um, but we had a question at Kansas Wildlife Federation about, so, like, you've planted your pollinator garden. What do you do in the wintertime? Because a lot of times those plants can look sort of scraggly and people get complaints, but you don't want to just mow everything down because pollinators and other insects overwinter inside the stalks. Mm -hmm. So what I do in my garden is I gently cut at the base of the flowers, so the top growth, and then I just like lay it in a pile in my yard. Mm -hmm. So if there's anything overwintering, it'll be fine. It's there. Yeah, just with like scissors or Mm -hmm. clippers or whatever. Um, But then my yard still looks nice. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So I, uh, I get to have the fun joy of contributing to our, she goes outdoors podcast. Um, if you guys aren't familiar with that, it's a tri-state partnership between Kansas, Nebraska, and Iowa. Um, it's associated with our fun subscription box program that aims to bring, um, awesome educational and outdoor learning equipment opportunities, et cetera, to women. It's mailed directly to your door. It's super fun. They're 50 bucks each. We, we offer four a year. Um, that program is going to get up and running again. However, on that podcast, I had the pleasure of talking to Deidre Kramer, who was the director of our Pratt Education Center and Museum. Um, she talked to us on the She Goes Outdoors podcast about fall colors. And we talked about leaf obsession, which is the process of, you know, in the fall, leaves separating from the trees and falling to the ground. And the impact that that can have, like on your backyard even, and creating micro environments within your backyard. So Deidre mentioned a couple of things that I thought would be really cool to mention, especially as we're talking about pollinator plots and making these little environments out of um, otherwise kind of barren wastelands that can be especially urban lawns and landscapes. So um, she said, with your leaves, if you can, leave them. And girls, I am here for that because that's too. less work for me. <laughs> Think about the little uh, buggies you get. Put your rakes yeah. away, girls. So that was the thing. She said <laughs> it's great for multiple reasons, fantastic for soil health. Yeah. So all those nutrients mm. from the leaves, the nitrogen, the phosphorus, the carbon, that's going back into your soil. All good things. Also makes the soil stronger, which is really important as well, especially if you're in an area prone to like runoff or something like that and more absorbent. So it can hold some of that water longer. You might not have to water your lawn as much in the coming spring. That's an A plus. That's going to save you some money as well. So really good for um, earthworms, for any of those like composters as well. So we've talked a little bit with Lindsay about foraging. Um, If you're hoping to see mushrooms, wet, damp leaves, nutrient-rich soil is going to create a fantastic habitat for fungi as well. So really cool. Also, there's some organisms that overwinter in leaf litter. So um, if you've seen a ton of those big black crickets recently, they are loving and living in that leaf litter 100%. um, Moths absolutely overwinter in the leaf litter as well. And um, you can even find some areas where like barred tiger salamanders, Deidre said, will burrow into that leaf litter and into that habitat and use it to kind of insulate themselves from the cold winter months. So there are so many good reasons to leave that leaf litter to let those micro habitats be. And if you're in an area where like maybe your HOA requires that you clean up leaves or you're super type A, which is totally understandable, Um, There are options as well. 
So like you can mulch up those leaves to make sure those nutrients still get into your soil. It's not going to be the same environment for the critters, obviously, because they can't quite hide under like the leaf shrapnel as well as they could hide under full big bodied leaves. Um, but at least those nutrients are going to be in place. Also, Laura, if you wanted, you could take those leaves and put them in your pollinator garden and like get those nutrients right into your garden too. Mm-hmm. Great idea. Love that. That's a good idea. And it's always a good idea if you live in a neighborhood with an HOA, put a sign in your yard that lets people know what you're doing. So like certified wildlife habitat. I think I've even seen signs that say something about why you're not raking. Mm-hmm. So consider that. Um, I wanted to follow up on your fall colors thing because this is a thing that drives me nuts. And no offense to anyone if you've got mums um, planted or on your porch, but mums, Lindsay, can you confirm? They're from China, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure they are. I totally have mums on my porch. I know, I know. It's common, right? So, And we've come to associate mums with fall in Kansas when there are actually lots of native flowers that flower in the fall. So like a lot of aster species, flower purple or white. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Some of the liatris. Yeah. Great blazing star. Um, so really we need to like redefine what fall looks like. Uh, Maximilian sunflowers. Okay. Bloom in the fall. I'm so pretty sunflowers, sure. Maybe um, it's not Maximilian, but some asters. of the sunflower species definitely bloom in the fall. Yeah. Yeah. So just consider yeah. that when you're, when you're planting. Well, and the, the leaves tend to get all the attention in the fall, right? Everybody talks mm-hmm. about the beautiful fall colors from the leaves changing, mm-hmm. but we talked to Deidre too about how the grasslands change. Um, oh, yeah. And the beautiful colors in the grasslands, like big blue stem and Ugh. little blue stem in the fall mm-hmm. is absolutely stunning. If you guys have ever been out on the tall grass prairie preserve in the fall, it's breathtaking in so yeah. many ways. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. Let's make that the, the picture of fall. Yes. Yeah. The grasslands. No it's like Magical. deep burgundy reds and those uh, blue stems, they get their name because their stems do have a blue hue to them. And it kind of pops out a little bit more when those golden colors yeah. come into play. Oh, I love it. So speaking of the Tallgrass National Prairie Preserve, are you guys like planning any trips in the coming months? Are you going anywhere to check anything out or even getting ready for any spring trips, any state parks or cool area monuments? So I am planning my deer season. So, oh, yeah. Um, and trying to have, so I, I'm a rifle hunter, and trying to have plans A, B, and C because I hunt public land. And if I pull up and there's a truck already there, I, I won't go, um, excuse me, on that trailhead. So trying to plan out for that and then also figure out how to bring a baby on different excursions. Not rifle hunting, but um, other hikes. Yeah. yeah. Megan? Megan, you are going somewhere cool. Yeah. Um, so in November, trout season begins November 1st. And my husband and I are going to join some friends. Um, El Dorado, the walnut, has um, is going to be stocked with trout. And we're going to um, get, a, get a couple campsites, do some trout fishing. Um, and that, so that's the nearest thing that we're going to do, which I just, I, I love, um, even if I don't catch anything. <laughs> so my, my goal is to, um, actually participate this year, catch a trout or two, and then, um, experiment with some different cooking. So I really love oh, cooking. That's probably my that. biggest hobby too. Um, and, and eat some trout because, Oh, it just sounds Yum. so good. So, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No. Well, I was going to challenge you, Megan. Mm-hmm. Um, so El Dorado, so that I used to, bird a lot in that park i'm challenging you to identify three birds while you're there okay Ooh. challenge accepted. Yes. Love it. so, it's yeah. a cool woodland and yes. they get a lot yeah. of waterfowl 
So we talked about goals like before this, like what are our personal goals? And so one of mine is to participate with others in a Christmas bird count. Um, But yeah, to just 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 like get my feet into dip my toes into the birding world. Um, And it's not like I have actively, but I've been noticing the birds at my house the last year, um, the ones who make nests in my trees or try to make a nest on my porch light. We had to actually remove the porch light so they would stop. Oh, oh they gosh. can make their nest somewhere else, just yeah. not on the light. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and get maybe it. it was a house sparrow. Maybe yeah, it, was it probably was. Oh, oh my gosh, they were, they had a huge, huge. Um, um, they had like their little aunt and uncles and other grandparents, <laughs> and it was like a whole. I mean, there were yeah. so many of them Sparrow that colony, the, the colony that um, the mailman or people coming to my front door couldn't get to my front door because they would be bombed. They sound like it sounds like house sparrows. sparrows. Yeah, oh, yeah, wow. most definitely. Like just chattering and calling all the neighbors, <laughs> yeah, and then like yeah. you know, I mean, there would be eight or nine sparrows out there just like trying to protect the nests. Yeah. It was, it was madness. Um, but yes, yeah, so I accept your challenge okay. and I'm going to definitely do that. Um, Let's go on the Christmas bird count because okay, I love I would, doing yeah, it. And that's what I said. I'm going to tag along with people who have done it before. Mm-hmm. Um, we've talked about this many, many times. Oh yeah. For Pratt, is that the one that you're going to do? Um, well, Mike Rader and Jen, they did one last year and I just happened to catch them in the parking lot. I was like, where are you guys going? And they're like, we're going on a Christmas bird count. And I think I had a meeting so I couldn't, and I had oh. like flats on so I couldn't participate. But yeah. I was like, I'm going to just invite myself along next time somebody goes because um, that's kind of how we do it in the outdoor world right yeah. you just kind of yeah. have to either nudge yourself in or ask somebody to go with you so I don't know what to do so someone show me and I'm more than happy to participate let's go yeah I love it well in the Christmas bird count just real quick plug for that and I'm not an expert by any means but it's one of the coolest and like oldest examples of citizen science to date so on these bird counts basically people organize in groups and go and just report how many birds they see um, it's a really great thing to do. Even if you're new to birding, if you can go out with someone experienced, you could get exposure to a lot of different birds. And these reports are compiled to get an understanding of how birds are moving, what the populations look like. And it's so cool because as a citizen, you can really contribute to like what you might think of as legitimate science. Mm-hmm. And like that's loosely defined, but you know, it's, it's really cool to be a part of. So definitely, definitely check that out. But I do want to go back to trout really, really oh, quick. Yes. Did anybody have anything more about Christmas bird count? No, just do it. I've written down your But I have my list of things. Nice. Um, For the Christmas bird count, if you're interested in doing that, you can check out more information at the Audubon Society. Um, Also, the Kansas Ornithological Society will have information as well. So if you want to reach out to either of those organizations or you can get in touch with us at Kansas Wildlife and Parks. Laura, is Kansas Wildlife Federation doing anything for Christmas bird count this year? We are now. (laughs) (laughs) Lindsay would be the one to ask. Perfect. Um, Are we? We'll put something together. Yeah. (laughs) It's only October. Something to look forward to. Okay. Back to trout because fish are way better than birds. Whoa. Okay. (laughs) And some fighting words. Fighting words in here. No, so um, a lot of people don't know that we have a trout stocking program in Kansas. That's right. So um, we primarily stock, or I think exclusively stock, rainbow trout. Mm -hmm. Um, They are not native to Kansas by any means, but we do put them there as like a unique recreational activity for our anglers, especially in the winter months when fishing can kind of slow down. Mm -hmm. So things to keep in mind there. You can find more information about the Kansas Trout Stocking Program on our website at ksoutdoors.com. If you go to the fishing tab and uh, click on fishing programs, you can find information about the 
trout stocking program, um, a map of the locations that we stock, Mm -hmm. and then also a general idea of the stocking schedule. That schedule is updated like the day fish are stocked because if you've ever tried to transport a large quantity of fish, which I'm assuming (laughs) most people haven't, but like if you have, I don't know what you're up to, but um, it can be really finicky and it can depend a lot on um, exterior conditions as well and what's going on, environmental factors. So um, we can't necessarily nail down a date as like fish are going to be in the lake at this point. Right. However, it is updated. Um, and it, we can usually give you like a week time frame of when fish are going to be in the water. Right. Something important to keep in mind too. And Megan, you mentioned, I think earlier or no, just now that you were going to, um, cook some fish this year. Yeah. So a lot of times, um, anglers in general can be a little bit possessive of fish and think, you know, have opinions about whether or not you should or shouldn't cook them. I've mm-hmm. heard it all the time. I love eating largemouth bass. Yeah. You guys are going to come for me. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I've never eaten a largemouth bass. They're sir. good. And if really? you harvest them within like all the legal requirements, I think they're delicious. I know it's a huge controversy in the angling world. So I'm waiting for the hate mail, whatever. <laughs> um, but I really encourage you guys to eat trout that you harvest because, um, you know, once they've been caught, trout might struggle a little bit if they Mm -hmm. are released. Also, they're not going to survive through the summer when our temperatures spike. Yeah. So they put them in in the winter. They calculate that for basically the amount of harvest they think will be in the area. So we put different amount of trout in different lakes, depending on how many people are out there harvesting, the size of the lake, et cetera. Um, So encourage you to take home your, your creel. Yes. Dude, that's Enjoy a great it. plug. That is amazing. Yeah. I really love smoked trout. Me too. But I've never personally made it. So maybe I'll put that on my list of goals for the winter months and snag me some trout and smoke it. Do you mm. have a smoker? Do you need a smoker? I have a smoker. I have a smoker. I have a smoker and a Blackstone and a propane grill and a charcoal yeah. like Weber. Like I'm an outdoor cooking, a fishing anato. Yeah, I, I have not meats. only a Blackstone for my backyard, but I have the one that you can take with you with the travel edition. <gasps> That's as well. cool. No, I need it. It's like a necessary. I should just have it in my car ready to go. But no, I it's, need it. It's in, wow. our, it's in our camping travel gear. <laughs> I'm inspired. I just bought a dehydrator and a canner cool i want to dehydrate trying to live off the land more i use my pressure cooker i can't wait to do foraging episode kent in hunter education has a really good it's not really a recipe basically it's just like smothering your trout in green goddess oh the dressing oil yeah yeah and he says that that's like the best thing ever i've tried it once and it was really good it was different than like what i was expecting but it, it's really good really so you might talk to kent about that yeah just like green goddess dressing and i can't remember the story of how they discovered that i think they were like camping or something and it was all they had and so they're like oh let's give it a shot and it i was ended about up to say that sounds like good. the ultimate way to camp cook a trout just because it's so easy oh, just yeah. fire. you got some aluminum foil and some green, yeah. goddess. green goddess like why not i'm gonna have to ask him about that yeah Okay, can I tell you the places I'm planning to visit? Oh, yeah. Yes, please oh, do. Lizzie, go. Well, we not get to you for yeah. that. We skipped over me because I wasn't ready. Oh, right. <laughs> it was your fault. Right. Okay. First of all, I want to go to Clark Clark State, State Fishing State Lake. Fishing Lake. Oh, I have not been out there. It's the most beautiful place in Kansas. It's, it's unreal. It's like the Grand to. Canyon of Kansas. I almost hesitate to say it on the podcast because <laughs> I'm like, don't overrun my lake. But no, I want to share it with everybody. Yeah, so I want to go there. Um, Keegan and I, Keegan's my fiance. Um, we're going to try to go to Cimarron National Grassland, which oh, is to the wow. west of here. Have not been there. Heard amazing things, especially yeah. about the birding. Um, oh. I'm a grassland person, like deep down in my core, and I'm so excited for this trip. Is that west enough to see pronghorn antelope? 
Yes. I think so. Yeah. I'm wrong. I thought mm-hmm. so. Yes. Pretty sure it is. That's awesome. Yep. And then I have not yet been to Cheyenne Bottoms to go birding. I've been to Quivira and I've driven by Cheyenne Bottoms. I just have not had the opportunity to dedicate a full day because that's what it's going to take yeah. for me is a full day out there um, to go actually birding out at Cheyenne Bottoms. So that's what I'm also hoping to do very soon. Are you going to take Keegan too? Yes. Okay. She's trying to turn him into a birder. Yes, it's working. Yes. <laughs> I heard you talking to my creator about that the other day. And he was like, he's really excited. I'll never forget the day. Was it the Oriole that ran into your window and he yes. called you at work? Like, okay, the Oriole had become his buddy. Keegan's buddy. Yeah. Keegan works from home. And <laughs> we, we are living in this little apartment right now while we are hoping to buy a new house. And he, he really cared about our backyard Orioles. He loved them. He looked for them every day. And then he was working, and all of a sudden he heard this thump against mm. the sliding window. And he looked down, and there was one of, one of the, fema- the female of this, this pair that we had nesting in the, in the bushes by our apartment um, had hit the window and wasn't moving. So he called me in a panic, very upset. It, it scared me because I thought something happened to him or one of our dogs. And... Uh, it turns out that the bird was okay. It was just stunned. He scooped her up and put her on the chair so that she would be relatively protected while she kind of came out of it. And then she flew away and hey. it was all good. Good day for the bird. Yes. But ever since that moment, he has been like, oh, look at all the birds. Look at this bird. Look, mm, Lindsay, what's yeah. that bird? Sometimes so, that's all it takes. Like yep, a connection. Yep. And now he, he wants to go on birding excursions with me and I love it. I literally thought that someone in your family had passed away when you got that phone call because it was during work hours and you sounded so concerned and then scared me immediately annoyed like I'm at work I can't deal with this the bird's okay like it's gonna be fine but good for you creating another birder thank you that should be a challenge for all of us too after you get your three birds at El Dorito then your challenge is to get someone else okay. interested in birding. Immediately, yeah. I'm thinking of um, my nephews and my nieces, too. My nieces are two and three, so. My niece is three, and she loves going birding with me. Okay, good. Awesome. Well, yeah. and if you listened to our podcast with Bob uh, Gress, his challenge to everyone was to take out a young person. Take out a young person. No. <laughs> take <laughs> Just cold the herd a little. Yeah. No, take a young person out and get them excited about anything. Yeah. yeah. Um, birds being one option. He also mentioned like geology, like yeah. rocks. And, yes. Yeah. Anything. Look Any at bugs. Look at plants. Yeah. Pick up a yeah. fossil. My, th- my three-year-old niece walked home with a pocket full of fossils that were yeah. like pulling her little pants down Aww. as we hiked up the hill. Aww. And she did not want me to carry her fossils because she wanted to carry them. That you so. were so proud. It was. Like... Pick stuff up. Oh, I remember one of my goals that I have for this year, and I'm excited to get you guys' input on it. Oh, yeah. I realized recently um, that I have, I don't think I've ever camped alone. Oh, really? Yeah. And I was like, surely I've done this. Like, surely I've camped alone. And I don't know that I ever have. So this and like winter camping intrigues me too because it's either like so fun or so miserable. <laughs> but um, I think this winter I'm going to go and try to camp alone. I'll probably bring our dog, but um, and go check that out. And I don't know where I'm going to go yet. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I just think it'd be a really good experience for me. Yes, I, I did that when I was 16 for two nights on a mountainside in New Mexico, and it was life changing. Because it just, like, builds your confidence. You're just like, I can do anything now. Yeah. 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 I just did it a couple weekends ago when I was in Colorado. I drove halfway, camped by myself, and then I met my dad out in um, Silverton, Colorado. Yeah. And um, I I probably mentioned this before, but I did a, a road trip across the U.S. by myself. 
I went down to Zion National Park and I was gone for like a week and a half, two weeks, and I camped by myself all the whole time, and it was. That sounds liberating. Unbelievable. It is yeah. liberating. It yeah. made me, I am a different person because of that experience. Ooh, very so, cool. So yeah. do it. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. Absolutely. And I'll be safe about it. Like, I'll let people know. We always like to plug. Let people know where you're going and when you plan to be home. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll probably have my location tracker on my phone just yes. in case anything happens. Oh, someone yeah. can find me. But, yeah, I think it would be so cool and just so special. And that's kind of, I know some of you will relate. Um, one of the downsides to having a really, really handy partner is that um, it's really easy for me to sit back and be like, yeah, he's going to build that fire. That's cool. Mm. I know how to build a fire, but like he might hop in and do it. And so I want this experience to be able to go out by myself and remind myself that I'm capable of all that. And I know I am, and I know I could do it in a pinch, but it's like I don't because he's so handy. So it'll be cool. I'm excited for it. That's a really neat idea. I love it. I love that goal. Mm -hmm. Take it a step further and don't take any food. Oh gosh! And get it yourself <laughs> along the way. Listen, I uh, one step at a time. Yeah, I'm very food motivated. If there's no food for me to like return to at the end of a hike, that's I might fair. just like sit down beneath the tree and cry. That's, yeah. I'm food that's motivated fair. too. That's, that's fair. for me. Half that's, the fun of camping is making the food. I, I and I get and I that, and I that. love that too. But I think I want to. I think I'm almost ready to take it to that next level where I just go out there. Like live off the land, sure. fish for my dinner, etc. Can we? Okay, can I Take do pictures. that with you? Because yes. I don't have your foraging experience, and so I am down to fish and do all that. And like, I want to learn from you. Yeah, we need let's to go do it. Document this though, and then put it on social media. I'm sorry, so I I'll do wear social GoPro. media for Kitty WP. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and like do some sort of like a uh, vlog or a blog, and we'll just post it to the page and like. I think that would be fantastic. Totally. Super cool. Yeah. Would you guys tune into that? Would you watch us struggling to survive in the wilderness? Let us know. (laughs) Struggling to survive. This is like alone, but Kansas edition. (laughs) That's much. Yeah. 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 It's like thinking, I was like naked and afraid. That's not the vibe we're going for I almost said that. I was like, I'm not going to be, I'm not doing it. Fully clothed and not afraid. Exactly. Maybe a little hungry. (laughs) Hopefully not. Maybe a little hungry. Uh, Okay. What else is going on? What else do we need to talk about? Well, a couple upcoming episodes. We got, oh, right. got a yeah, water yeah. episode with Libby Albers from Kansas Alliance for Wetlands and Streams. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're going to have a, a episode covering non-lead ammunition. What's it all about? How do you pick out non-lead ammunition? Mm-hmm. Um, efficacy, that sort of thing. Very yeah. timely. Yeah. It's going to be it's going to be a really interesting episode because there is some I don't want to say controversy is not the right word, but there's some spirited discussion about mm-hmm. non-lead ammunition right now. Plus, in the midst of a ammunition an ammunition shortage, anyway, it's, yeah, it's a very timely mm-hmm. uh, topic to be able to have this discussion and talk about what the future might look like for ammunition mm-hmm. in Kansas and across the U.S. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of ammunition, do we want to let our listeners know if they don't know already about our newest addition to our hunter education? Um, Arsenal? Repertoire? I feel like arsenal is the right arsenal. Word. Yeah. <laughs> arsenal. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, we recently adopted, I would like to say, a new option for taking hunter education in Kansas. And I say option because we also still have um, the courses you all know and love, which are the traditional courses, the traditional option, which is to go in person over the course of multiple days and take a hunter education class in more of a classroom setting. 
Um, we also have an option that I actually took advantage of, which is our internet assisted option. So that has some online coursework that you take prior to attending a field day and testing session in which you get the opportunity to shoot firearms, to do some firearms handling and safety, um, even get a trail walk in, which is kind of like our simulated hunt scenario. So you can talk about why a hunt was or a shot was a good decision or a bad one. Talk about some common safety mistakes, et cetera. So those options still exist, the traditional and the internet assisted. And most recently, we are excited to announce that we are offering a fully online option for those age 16 and up in Kansas. So this course is offered through the NRA. Um, it is a very robust course. If you think that you're going to be able to sit down and like knock this course out in even one sitting, I mean, it it is a robust course. It takes it took me multiple days to complete. Oh yeah, it, it took mm. me multiple days too. I think in total, it on average should take about eight hours, but it's hard to sit through all of that mm. because it's so thorough and it's so interactive. Like you have to be engaged while you're taking this course. I learn stuff, and I've been an instructor for what five five years now, four yeah. or five. I don't even know. Um, and I learned stuff when I took this course. It's interactive. It's fun. Um, I don't want to take it again. So yeah. <laughs> well, it because, because it's so thorough and long, and, but it's, it has such valuable information. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of why we made the decision to make it only 16 and up. Because those who are under the age of 16 are not actually required to purchase a license. They can still um, go out and hunt with an adult and not have to go through hunter ed. But at 16, you do have to have those requirements. And the... NRA course is really difficult and it's um, we were concerned that those who are under the age of 16 wouldn't get as much out of it or be able to get through the whole thing and be successful and that's what we want all of you to be is successful Absolutely. and we want you to have the knowledge to go out and be ethical and safe and responsible hunters and we are trying to alleviate the barriers that are getting in your way from achieving the goals that you have in getting outdoors in Kansas and that includes accessibility um, being able to attend a class. Like if you're having a hard time finding an in-person hunter ed class, here's a really good option for you. And it just opens so many doors for so many of our constituents. And I cannot even tell you how excited I am for this to be happening. Yeah. And it, it's like, here's the floof with these classes. Okay. There are now three options available for you to take hunter education in Kansas. I encourage you to choose the option that best fits the needs of you and your family. So if you are uncomfortable with people in your family or your friends taking an online course, encourage them to take an in-person course. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. We are so excited to be offering courses that are going to fit everyone's needs. So choose the course that's right for you. I also super encourage you to go online, even if you're already Hunter Ed certified, and take that NRA Hunter Education course I, th- I really think you'll be super impressed, but either way, give us feedback and let us know. If you think there's some vital component that's missing, tell us. Um, if you super loved it and want to recommend it to all your friends, do that. But it's really great. And even if you just want an opportunity to brush up on the information, the course is completely free as well. So there's no reason you can't pop in there and take it. Um, even just take certain modules of it. Really, really cool. Um, fun story about this being very long-winded here, but I recently heard from a gal who was trying to sign up for one of our women's hunter education classes. She had given birth to a kiddo 
maybe two weeks prior and was asking if we were going to have resources available so that she could step away and pump or, you know, do whatever Mm. she needed to do. Mm. Um, So we said, hey, we would love to have you at this class. Absolutely. We will make accommodations for you. However, here's another option you could consider, which is this online option. Because that option is available, she will now still be able to get out into the field this season. She felt comfortable taking an online course because she already had firearms experience and had been out on multiple hunts with family members. So it was the perfect option that completely fit her needs. We're so excited and proud to offer that. And that's, you know, some of the demographics you might not consider or um, active or um, past military members who have a lot of firearms experience or who people who grew up going on hunts with their families that have done basically trail walks all their life. Yeah. Um, these options are available now. So super cool. <gasps> We're pumped about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This was well, a good host good episode. Chat. Lots I, of goals. Yes. I loved hearing all of the stories and the goals. Absolutely. And uh, yeah. now that the public knows our goals, hold me accountable. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Please good luck to everyone out there. Check in and see how my squirrel hunts are going or something. Let us know. Yeah. And if there's anything that you want to hear or if you have any questions, send us a message on Facebook. Do reach out to us. And before we leave today, uh, there's an important someone that we need to pay tribute to. And Lindsay, I'm wondering if you'd be willing to talk about that person. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's it's with a sad and heavy heart that we let you all know that um, Max uh, Byram from The Box Turtles, who's the lead singer and uh, leader of the band The Box Turtles, who also does our intro and outro music, tragically passed away on July 30th of this year. And we just wanted to give him a short tribute and um, thank Max for the light and life that he poured into his music and the community that he came from. He was running for mayor in Council Grove, and he gave so much back to the community and Really, the big message is get out there, enjoy your life, be creative, and be kind to everyone because that's that was Max's mantra. He was just kind to everybody. He did not know a stranger. So thank you, everyone, so much for listening. And remember, flat is a state of mind. Flatlander Podcast is made possible through a partnership between the Kansas Department of Wildlife and Parks and the Kansas Wildlife Federation. Sound and production by Megan Mayhew. Music by Kansas locals, the Box Turtles. Become a member of KWF for free by visiting kansaswildlifefederation.org. And be sure to follow KWF on Facebook at Kansas Wildlife Federation and on Instagram at KS Wildlife Fed. Stay up to date on all things KDWP by following the department on Facebook at Kansas Wildlife and Parks and on Instagram at the KDWP. Remember, the Kansas Department of Wildlife and Parks is supported by flatlanders like you through the sale of licenses and permits. Consider buying a hunting or fishing license today to conserve and protect the wild spaces and faces that make Kansas more than flyover country. <laughs>